You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. No one's figured out how to stop Tom Brady for 20 years now. And we're not going to pretend to have the answers for the Chicago Bears on Sunday. But we can start to put together a game plan idea for at least how to maybe slow him down and how to help Justin Fields keep up as best he can in a tough Week 7 matchup with the Super Bowl champions. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for more Bears talk. And make sure you're subscribed to the Locked On Bears YouTube channel as well to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. This episode of Locked On Bears is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. On the show today, we're putting together a game plan for how the Bears can upset the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it's not about completely trying to shut down Tom Brady or put up 42 points with Justin Fields against the Buccaneers defense, but it's about doing just enough to maybe slow down Tampa Bay's offense a little bit and maybe help this Bears offense get into a little bit of a rhythm and extend things a little bit longer throughout the game to keep up enough points to maybe just maybe pull off a Week 7 upset. We'll talk about what the Bears' defense can do, potentially with Robert Quinn still on the COVID-19 list, to still maximize Khalil Mack and try and get some pressure on Brady, which does seem like one of the things that has sort of worked over the years. We'll talk about where this Bears' offense can maybe find some vulnerabilities against this Tampa defense and how you know how to help Justin Fields continue to make progress and support him within the scheme and the offensive identity that they're building. And then we'll wrap up with some of the biggest matchups that I think are really going to decide the outcome of this game either way. Definitely feel like the one thing we've seen for slowing down, again, not stopping, but slowing down Tom Brady, the, the formula that we've seen you know, in Super Bowls and stuff is you got to be able to get pressure with four consistently. And that's really, that's not innovative. That's not earth shattering. That's what every team wants to do anyway. It's just seemed like, you know, like when, when the Eagles beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl and stuff, it's like when, when you can have that front four that's dynamic and gets after the quarterback, without having to take somebody else out of coverage to blitz to get after Brady, because blitz, he'll, he'll tell you, tear you up all game. You can't just try and be aggressive that way, but you have to get pressure. Sometimes, particularly on the interior, can be a lot more disruptive against Tom Brady, too. A guy like Aaron Donald and the Rams, for example, have had some success in that regard. And again, even all that doesn't always work perfectly, but it's it's sort of your best bet for what your defense can try and do against Tom. And so when you look at this Bears defense on the front seven, Big question mark right now is Robert Quinn with the COVID-19 list that he was placed on earlier this week. We don't know exactly when he could be back, whether that's in time for this game and having not then practiced all week or whether he's going to miss this game or, or what exactly that timeline is going to be. So I guess if I'm, if I'm putting together a plan, I'm planning on not having Robert Quinn because I think it's easier to add him to whatever plan I came up without him as opposed to thinking he's going to be there and then having to kind of adjust my plan if he's not going to be there. And so it feels like 
some of the similar feelings we've had with Khalil Mack in this pass rush the last couple of seasons, even last year when Robert Quinn was there, but just not pass rushing well. And it felt like it was kind of just Khalil Mack as far as consistent pass rushing on the edge. And so if that's what I'm going with, where Barcavis Mingo or Travis Gibson is going to be my other starter, and we're going to be a little bit more thin in that rotation, there's a particular front that I'm looking to go towards. And it's something Sean Desai has done, and every defensive coordinator will do similar things like this, but I would look to maybe feature this a little bit more in my game plan. It's it's about how you sort of align your pass rushers in pass rushing situations because this isn't necessarily something you want to do on first and second downs all the time if there's a significant threat of run because it's going to throw off the balance a little bit of where your run defenders are. But something I think I'd like to see the Bears do more of if it's just kind of Khalil Mack in the edge rusher spot is what's called, it's called a lot of different things, but I know it as a boss front, B-O-S-S, bigs on same side. Bigs being, you know, your, your interior defense Lineman. So the idea of a boss front is if you it's, it's four players, right? Your typical sort of four-man rush and the Bears nickel defense that you'll see all the time, two outside linebackers, two defensive linemen. And typically in, in a in a regular sort of you know four-two-five nickel front, you know, you'll have Mac on one side, Quinn on their side, and then you know, Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman is the two interior defensive linemen kind of on each side of the center at different gaps, one technique, three technique, or sometimes five. I mean, you can shift around, but you'll have two on each side of the center, right? So it's a little bit more balanced. So the offensive line doesn't have an inclination of you know, maybe needing to favor one side so much over the other. The idea of the boss front is to intentionally overload one side with your bigs. And the idea is that you then put Khalil Mack on the opposite side. And it becomes a pick-your-poison type game for the pass protection. And so you put Khalil Mack alone over the left tackle Donovan Smith. We heard yesterday on the podcast from David Harrison from Locked On Buccaneers about how that's kind of where he's a little bit less confident in their offensive line right now. And putting, and that, that's kind of more Robert Quinn's spot and Kloon that can play both sides. And you can certainly do it against Tristan, Wir- Tristan Wirfs. Uh, you know, I'd say flip it and do it both ways, especially with the way that Mac had flipped, literally flipped Tristan Wirfs last year when they matched up for the first time. So let's, let's think of it that way for the rookie matchup, for the second-year matchup. Mac over the right tackle Tristan Wirfs. Then he's all alone on that side. And you put your three other guys on your defensive line on the opposite side of the offensive line. So you'll put your other edge rusher, Travis Gibson, outside of the tackle. You'll put, say, Akeem Hicks, if he's healthy, or Mario Edwards, outside of the guard. And you'll put your nose tackle of Bilal Nichols or Eddie Goldman or whoever to the, to the right of the center. So they're all, so from the center's perspective, his, his left, but from the defense's right. So you'd have three guys on the right side of the defense, one guy on the left. Your bigs all on the same side. So then the offense has to decide, okay, am I going to slide my protection over to help my right tackle versus Khalil Mack? Or do I slide my protection left to where I have three guys coming against really like two and a half with the center, two and a half blockers? So you kind of have to decide where you want to bring your pass protection help. If you got a running back to stay in, are they going to help on Mack or the other side? So this, first of all, you can, you can rush like that and make them declare how they're going to block that. Then you see how they respond to that. And if they start shading guys over to Mack's side, then what you do is you run a stunt where Khalil Mack starts alone on the right side, but then he's going to loop all the way around to the left side and loop, say, with Eddie Goldman at the nose tackle spot to try and free him up, crashing up the middle. And Goldman's just going to run into whatever blockers are left on Mack's old side and just occupy space. Or if you know if they start sending more more help to Mac side, you can blitz a slot cornerback from the big side. We already have three guys over there. Bring a fourth 
because they're not going to be able to get that many bodies over there and drop Mac back into coverage. And you'll have all those blockers on Mac's side blocking nobody. Well, you've got four guys blocking or blitzing from the other side of the offensive line. And, that, you know, there's different ways you can sort of create pressure in these ways. And when you, when you can stunt Mac inside, you'll get pressure up the middle. Or if they're going to slide away from that three-man side, and if they're going to send all their help over to Cleo Mac, then you're going to have one-on-one pass rushes for three guys on the same side of the line of scrimmage. And you kind of just have to hope then that, out of the three of them, consistently enough, one of them can win their one-on-one matchups enough to get some pressure on Brady to make him a little bit more uncomfortable and not make it easy for him to just sit back and read this defense because the, the, the Buccaneers certainly have the advantage in the wide receiver versus the cornerback type matchups, and they've got some depth at tight end even with Robert Gronkowski hurt, and I think it, the, the Buccaneers offense shouldn't have too much trouble moving the ball against this Bears secondary if the pass rush is not going to be able to get home. This is a game where the secondary is just not going to be able to get it done on their own if the pass rush doesn't help them. So I think going to more of these boss fronts and getting creative with making them declare where they're going to block and then you move Khalil Mack around, you drop him back, you bring pressure from the other side. You can do some different pieces there where it still looks the same for the offense, but they're never quite sure exactly where you're going to see it from who's going to rush from where and how they're supposed to help block Khalil Mack and the other Bears pass rushers. So just a kind of a specific scheme thing I'd like to see when you don't have that threat of Robert Quinn exactly on the other side of the field with him potentially going to be out in this game. Also sounds like Damian Williams is going to be out with COVID again for the running back position, leaving Khalil Herbert to kind of have to carry the load. But I think a lot is going to come down to him for getting this Bears offense to get enough points against Tampa Bay. We'll talk about what they can do with this running game against the Buccaneers run defense. It's been really stellar this season. Next on Locked On Bears. The betting line for Bears-Buccaneers is moving ever so slightly, actually in the Bears' favor. Right now at betonline.ag, the line has moved to Bears plus 12.5. I think it was plus 13 yesterday, so maybe bringing it a little bit closer than you might have thought initially here. The money line still has Buccaneers at minus 710. The over-under still at 47.5. If you want to lay some money down on this game, betonline.ag is the number one place we recommend for all your favorite football action. Plus, they do all the sports. Basketball season now starting up, hockey season, baseball playoffs, soccer, tennis, you name it. They've got it at betonline.ag. Sign up today for your free account, and when you sign up, enter in our promo code Locked On to receive a free welcome bonus on your first deposit, giving you more money to play with at betonline.ag, where the game starts. The game plan for this Bears offense starts with trying to keep up with this identity, and it's it's kind of... You know, it's the same things you've been trying to do the last couple of weeks, but you have to sort of, you know, tweak it a little bit to the matchups and the personnel that you're facing with Tampa Bay. But with all these games, with with Justin Fields especially, and the running game as it is, you're not trying to reinvent your offense in any of these weeks. You want to run the ball. You want to be a run-first physical team, if at all possible. You want to take as much pressure off of Justin Fields as possible. Then build in some potential play action off of that. Get some deep shots in with the passing game. Try and generate some explosive plays. And theoretically, again, <laughs> theoretically on paper, that, that should be enough in most matchups. Maybe not in this one with a, with a guy like Tampa, with Tom Brady on the other side, but that's, that's how you start to keep this offense in these games at the very least. And when you look at this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense in particular, we heard it yesterday from David Harrison from Lockdown Buccaneers. Crossover Thursday, if you haven't heard that podcast, please go back and do it because David knows the Buccaneers through and through and gave us some really nice scouting reports on where that team stands right now. But even just on paper, you look at their depth chart, you look at their roster, very, very big, strong interior defensive line. We'll talk about some of them a little bit later on, but you know, Sue and Vita Vea, and then even on the bench, you know, William Golston and Steve McLennan, veterans, 
strong, big, experienced on the interior. Then behind them, you've got really athletic linebackers in Devin White and Levante David, and even their edge rushers, Jason Pierre, Paul Shaq Barrett. You know, they've got a little bit of juice coming off of those corners. Then it's a then it's a secondary that's been very injured this season. It looks like they're going to get safety Antoine Winfield back this week, I think, from a concussion. But cornerbacks is not a position that's very strong for them and should have some potential vulnerability. But when I'm trying to run the ball and establish my offense in that regard, big defense, big strong defensive line, fast linebackers makes it makes it difficult, right? Because they're so thick and strong on the interior, guys, I don't know that you're going to be able to just pound it up the middle, right? Even if you bring in Ryan Nolan, a fullback, it's just, you know, 325-pound men in there that – most interior offensive lines have trouble moving. And so, you know, that, that makes the straight up the middle downhill running kind of more difficult. But then when you have fast linebackers, you can't just pitch it to Khalil Herbert and try and use his speed to the edge because Devin White is one of the fastest linebackers in the NFL. And we know Levante David has always been a very fluid athlete, great in coverage at that position too. So it's like, if, if you're trying to pound up the middle, you're not going to find any room. And then if you're trying to get to the edge, they're going to be too fast to get out there. So what then can you do in a running game? I mean, you have to you have to try everything, right? You're not just going to stick with one thing or the other. But I think if I'm if I'm trying to find a way to balance those two things, right? Again, there there is no magic formula to running on what I think is the number one run defense in the NFL. This is not like some I'm not a I'm not a genius. I'm not an offensive scheme master in any way, shape, or form. But if I'm if I'm just trying to find a plan here for something to try that I think might might be able to balance those two strengths of the Buccaneers and try and find some way to take advantage here and there. I'm looking at a couple of different types of runs in particular. I, I think, in theory, you should be able to cut back on outside zone, you know, those sort of stretch handoffs where it's like, if you're trying to do the stretch run, if you're trying to beat them to the outside of the edge, right, the linebackers are going to get there for you. But if you're trying to take it right up the middle, those interior defensive linemen are there. So I'm, I'm thinking you, you try and press the edge and then cut it back. Hopefully the idea being then, that first of all, the big defensive linemen in the middle are going to be too big and too slow a little bit to be able to cut back across the block. Right? They're going to hold the blocks and hold space, but they're not going to chase you down on a cutback as well. I mean, you're not super worried about that. You're mostly just worried about the bulk in there. So if you cut back past them on the backside, then it's about the linebackers having to get back to there. And they certainly have the speed to do so. But I wonder if you can get away with, you know, if you're really pressing the right side, for example, you're trying to stretch it right, you suck those linebackers in. Devin White, kind of like Roquan Smith, right? He wants to come down and use that speed to attack the gap and get the running back right away. So if you can kind of suck them into the right side and then Herbert can do that one cut and go, cut it back to the left side, maybe just maybe. You know, you can get the linebackers in a little bit too close to the line of scrimmage, get your your offensive lineman closer to the second level, and find a little crease there when you do cut back because the linebackers would then have to get over the blocks to get there. And Devin White, much like Roquan Smith, not as adept at getting over the blocks. The other thing with White, too, is he has missed a lot of tackles this season, and he's always missed a lot of tackles. And so I like Khalil Herbert in that matchup, if we, as we're going to get to matchups a little bit more. But one, one I'm not going to go in more depth later is that Herbert, Herbert's made a lot of guys miss this season with that short area quickness and explosiveness. And as much as Devin White is also explosive, he has not been as consistent in wrapping up. And I'm, I'm, I like that idea of Herbert meeting Devin Bush somewhere and Herbert being able to win that block versus or that, that tackle versus that break. I don't want to say more often than not, but enough to, to maybe spring some things and, and pick up some extra yards here and there. So I think trying to cut back an outside zone, I, I'd be tempted to do. And also even just like some, some standard counter man blocking, you know, where you bring two blockers from one side and, and bring them to the other side, get around 
the interior defensive line, typically what you'll do on a counterplay is you'll 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 double team at the point of attack, whatever big guy's gonna be right there, and then you bring two blockers from the backside around that double team. So the idea being that maybe you can double team the outer of the two interior guys that you're gonna see on the defense, whether it's Vita Vea or Sue, double team them and hope that's enough. And then if you can bring then the blockers through, even if the linebackers are fast and speedy to get over there. I'll take my blockers versus two of maybe a little bit more undersized linebackers. They have speed, but they're not like big, powerful block shedders. So that maybe if if my double team can hold up and my my blockers that are pulling can get out in space enough, then maybe just maybe you could find some room there. Again, not a magic formula. Not going to guaranteed to work every time. Not guaranteed to find some missing weakness that no other team has figured out. But a couple of ideas that I think is a way to try and circumvent the strength of their defensive line and the speed of their linebackers in a couple of different ways that I, that I would put I would mix in there with the rest of my running game as, as more of an identity there to then help Justin Fields with play action off of that and get some of these deep shots because when you have cornerbacks that are injured like this and it's, it's some no-name guys, uh, there's somebody for the Buccaneers who's named D. Delaney who is probably going to start at cornerback. He was a name I had to look up. He was an undrafted free agent for the Jaguars like three years ago and kind of bounced around a little bit. I'd like, I, <laughs> I like some potential matchups there that we'll get into in a little bit, but wide receivers should be able to get open. We said the same thing last week against the Packers when they were injured all across the secondary, and the wide receivers weren't able to get open. So even though it sounds good on, play, on paper, they got to actually go out and do it in the games. But there should be no excuse, especially after last week, and not, being able, not really stepping up to help their quarterback as much as they should. They should really internalize that a little bit and make sure that they're getting open more and more in this Buccaneers game. So then I think... You know, then if you, can, if you can run the ball, you can get some play action, maybe get a little bit more time to throw for fields. Wide receivers should get open downfield. There's, there's, a, there's a plan there, right? I mean, I think the speed of these Buccaneers linebackers will limit some of Justin Fields' scrambling. That, and if he gets out of the pocket, those guys are going to be able to chase him down, much like you know, Khalil, much like uh, Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney did against the Browns, that from the edge rusher spot, but they're off-ball linebackers if you're trying to get past the line of scrimmage. They're, they're going to chase you down. So I don't know how much yards with his legs Fields is going to be able to get, but it's all about getting those ground yards with Khalil Herbert and getting those big explosive passing plays downfield late developing over the top if your wide receivers can get open. Easier said than done, but that's the path, I think, you know, to get to 21, 24 points and hope that then your pass rush and maybe some boss fronts can help slow down Tom, Tam Brady, Tom Brady and Tampa Bay a little bit more to try and keep them in that same like 21, 24 type range. And, and that's maybe just maybe how you find some sort of a path to victory. But I think there's a couple of key matchups that are really going to decide whether or not you get to that upset. And we'll go through the, the big names that I think are going to be pivotal in this matchup next on Locked On Bears. This episode of Locked On Bears is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and, of course, endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, and the home team or away team can come to recharge. It's the place where you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. It's a great place to go to the bathroom if you're on a long road trip, too. I mean, they've got, it's always there for you. I mean, there's, there's always one whenever you need to. And that's the way that McDonald's itself it ingrains itself in so many communities. It's a part pretty much of all of our communities, and they have always been there. So head to your local McDonald's and refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say locked on watch party? McDonald's. I'm loving it. I'm also loving the latest new flavors of Built Bar, the world's best 
tasting protein bars. First of all, you know, they'll bring back the limited edition coconut cookie chunk, but right now they've got blueberry muffin is the new flavor that they just sent a box, but able to try it out. And it really does not, it doesn't just taste like blueberry, but you get this almost like sweet dough type taste, right? There's not actual like muffin dough in it, but you get that kind of like that cake, like bread kind of, it's more muffin than cupcake, but it's, you can taste it in addition to the blueberry, right? It's not just a blueberry built bar, but you really get the blueberry muffin in there too. But like all built bar flavors, it's covered in 100% real chocolate. It's soft. It's easy to chew. And most importantly, low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I'm telling you, the taste is phenomenal. It sounds too good to be true. You really have to just try it for yourself and see Head on over to BuiltBar.com and enter our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. This game is going to come down to matchups. The NFL always does. Not, it's not always one-on-one. Sometimes it's you know group versus group. But I think there's a few one-on-ones that I'm looking for the Bears to, first of all, try and take advantage of, and also then one-on-ones that I'm, I'm worried about the Buccaneers being able to take advantage of. And so it's the idea of, like, they need to win the ones that, well, first of all, they need to win all of them, but you know, they need to dominate the ones where they have the advantage and try and mitigate some of the, the potential damage where they have the, the disadvantage. And so when I think when I start with this Bears defense versus that Buccaneers offense, we talked about the boss front and trying to, you know, Khalil Mack separating from the rest of the defense and try and free up some one-on-one matchups there. But the really the one-on-one matchup I'm circling is the right guard, Alex Kappa. He's a third round pick a couple of years ago. He's He's not awful, right? The Buccaneers' offensive line is pretty good uh, across the board. It's a, it's a solid offensive line. It has not been causing problems for them in any way. But I, I look at that interior spot there as potentially being more of more of a weakness. And it's easy for the center to kind of help there. And you know, with, with the offensive tackles, you can kind of have the tight ends and running backs help a little bit. But if I can if I can kind of force the center to go one way and then get the right guard one on one with Akeem Hicks if he's healthy, or I guess Mario Edwards is kind of the the alternative there. That's a spot where I think you need to see this pass rush win because even with the boss front, right, you still need somebody else to win their one-on-one matchups. And so if you have Eddie Golden versus the center, Mario Edwards versus the right guard, and Travis Gibson versus the right tackle, I'm circling Mario Edwards versus the right guard as the advantage spot that the Bears need to consistently win. You know, and sometimes maybe you'll stunt the edge rusher inside there or loop Khalil Mack around the other side there. I mean, it's not always going to be same defensive lineman versus the same offensive lineman, but that right guard spot, a little bit more of the weaker spot. If you can win that one-on-one consistently enough, get a little bit more of that interior pressure on Tom Brady as well. Well, if Kalumak forces him to step up a little bit, pass rushing on one side, and then you get a little pressure on the inside, you can squeeze him. And I mean, as, as, as wonderful and amazing as Tom is at quarterback, he's not he's not a, a fast, mobile guy who's going to be able to, you know, move the pocket the way that Justin Fields does. And so you can bring him down and you can disrupt him. And I think that spot right there is where I'm looking to disrupt him. Where, where I'm worried about is with, with this Bears defense is whoever the heck is going to play slot cornerback against Chris Godwin. You know, they're like the Bears. They rotate different guys in and out of the slot, but Chris Godwin is kind of their, I guess, you know, go-to slot receiver-ish, but he still plays lot outside. And Godwin, you know, he doesn't have, for some reason, he hasn't yet built the name recognition of, of Mike Evans and, and Antonio Brown quite just yet, but, I mean, he's, he's, their, he's their best wide receiver, in my opinion. He is the most dangerous. He's the best route runner. I mean, he's just so consistent up and down the field. And so last week, we saw a lot of DeAndre Houston Carson as the number three safety, like going in nickel with just three safeties instead of three cornerbacks. And, you know, that was 
working sometimes. And then they, they brought in Xavier Crawford, the former undrafted free agent. He kind of seemed to be replacing Duke Shelley, more or less, in that role. It's been it's been a, a sore spot for sure every week for this Bears defense. And it hasn't always been like, oh, we're going to target that position a thousand times. You know, as I'm looking back over last week's game, Xavier Crawford was targeted four times, gave up three catches for 22 yards. I don't think DeAndre Houston Carson was technically thrown at at all in that game. So, I mean, it's not like... It's clear that opposing offenses are definitely looking to throw there, but it's not as though they're only throwing there. So, right, especially with the Buccaneers, when they've got three really, really good wide receivers, it's always going to be a tough matchup. I mean, it's Kendall Vildor versus whoever is going to be difficult too, but I still, but just because we don't know exactly what that slot position is going to look like, and I don't, Xavier Crawford is very unproven as a cornerback. That, that's where I'm concerned that if Godwin can just toy with him all game and find easy yards for Brady up and down the seam, it, it, you're not gonna have, it's not going to matter much what your pass rush does if your secondary can't hold up for at least a couple of seconds to give the pass rush a little bit of time to get home. So that's where I'm a little bit more concerned there. But I think flip side goes the other way. We talked about earlier. D. Delaney potentially starting at cornerback for the Buccaneers in this game. Give me Allen Robinson versus him on the outside all game long. I mean, I just, it's, Allen Robinson's a big, I mean, he's not, He's not Mike Evans big, but he's big. He's big enough. He's physical. He's a good route runner. He's got enough speed, enough explosiveness, right? He, we know Allen Robinson. He does. He can do a little bit of everything, and so I think he can then throw a little bit of everything against an inexperienced and otherwise below average cornerback that he's going to be facing. You know, you can hit him with a double move. He's going to be. Able, he can sell the vertical and then hit him on the curl, which Matt Nagy is, is going to love to do. And Bill Lazor is going to make sure that they do plenty of in this matchup. He can beat him off the line of scrimmage in a slant. If you try and press him, I'll trust Allen Robinson to beat him vertically, right? I mean, I just think. That's a matchup the Bears should be able to win if Justin Fields can have some time to throw and, and receivers can you know can consistently get open because Allen Robinson should be able to get open against something called a D. Delaney, who sounds to me like a creative player in Madden, like the randomly generated names. When you do franchise mode and you go to the draft class, like he's just he's just one of those guys that they they put in the game to fill out the rest of rosters. So that's that's what it feels like to me and why Robinson should be able to get open. Mooney should be able to get open against the rest of their secondary. I mean, I think they've got Ross Cockrell in the slot because we've actually seen Darnell Mooney playing a lot more slot this season than we have in years past. It doesn't seem like a lot of people are talking about it quite as much there. And then uh, Jamil Dean is their other cornerback. Recent third-round pick, maybe average is best. So, like, th- there's... Plus matchups there for the Bears to potentially win and help Justin Fields. I just they weren't able to do it last week against the Packers backup, so I'm a little bit concerned about how they're going to be able to do it in this one. I'm more so concerned one on one, Sam Mustafa the center versus nose tackle Vita Vea. I mean Vita Vea is just an animal, and we've seen Sam Mustafa. You know some of the you know, like last year we were we were impressed by him because he was an undrafted rookie free agent, kind of a no-namer thrown in there with no experience. And for a no-namer with no experience, he played pretty well last season. But now that he's kind of an established starter, he's playing about the same. It's just, it, it, it's kind of average to below average center play. And Vita Vea is 6'4", 350 pounds, but moves pretty well for a 350-pound guy. Mustafa struggles a little bit versus stronger interior linemen. He's not as good at anchoring. And certainly in the running game, we've seen that be an issue as well. So, I really have my concerns on the inside there. It's going to require a lot of help from Cody Whitehair and James Daniels, but they've also gotten Dominican Sue to worry about. So, right, it's not like you can just focus all your attention on helping Sam Mustafa when they have other guys in there. So I could I can see the interior for the Buccaneers being disruptive to what the Bears want to do in the running game and the passing game on top of otherwise, you know, fine edge rushers that they've got going for them. I think it's been mostly um, Joe Tryon, their first-round pick, rushing with Shaquille Barrett as sort of the, the top guys on the edge. But Barrett's kind of the main one you worry about from a pass-rushing standpoint. But again, it's, for me, 
Vea and Sue versus Sam Mustafer is a mismatch that is not in the Chicago Bears' favor. So th- those are kind of the main matchups that I think are going to go a long way toward deciding this game. And, of course, we kind of went through how some of the things the Bears can do schematically to free up some of their guys, take advantage of their own strengths, and try and attack some of the Buccaneers' weaknesses. And, and maybe just maybe try and give Tom Brady a little bit of a scare. It's not something I'm going to predict the Bears are going to just all of a sudden figure it out and do, but there is a formula here. There is a path toward some success, or at least making this a very close game, closer than the 12.5-point spread might suggest. So we'll see how it all comes together. Certainly we'll break it all down for you next week on Monday's podcast right here on Locked on Bears. So make sure that you subscribe on however you're listening or watching along on the YouTube channel to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked on Bears your first listen each and every day. It's my pleasure to bring the podcast to you. It's fun to have these conversations, to talk about this team, and especially you know, all the interaction we get on Twitter and, and in the Lockdown Bears Facebook group and in the comment section on the YouTube videos. It creates a little bit more of a dialogue and a conversation around this team that I think makes it just that much easier to bear down. <laughs>